0: Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported WNYC Studios
1: I just you know, started crying. I don't know why I was crying, but I was crying. I was very emotional. And my tears started floating in front of me (laughs) and making a bubble over my eyes, not allowing me to see clearly.
2: I'm Manoush Samarodi, and this is WNYC's Note to Self.
1: So then I started looking up all the space stuff. And
2: I always watch space movies. The show where you and I search for balance in the digital age.
1: I think it'd be kind of cool to work on the space shows. My interest in space, I've been interested in it since I was about three years old.
2: And figure out how to manage modern life. I was never one of those kids dreaming about going to space. But the more I learn, the faster that technology is just barreling ahead, the more I think that you and I might have to say yes or no to this question in our lifetime. Would you go to space? Like, really, if you knew what it was like and you had the money and someone offered it to you, would you go to space? This episode is a very personal look at the dream and the reality of space travel, with two very special women, one who went up already and the other who has a ticket clenched in her hand as we speak. We ran a version of this show last year, but a lot has changed since then. And actually, these women's commitment to going to space has been tested. And so we're giving this episode an update and a recut. Enjoy.
0: One, boosted ignition and liftoff of the space discovery. Let's start with Lina. People just know me as Lina Berezdinab. And if people forget my name, people just call me Red. Uh, You know, I have red hair. She's also Russian.
2: Born in Odessa City in what is now Ukraine, it was still the communist USSR when Lina was a kid.
0: I grew up in a communal flat. Eight families, one toilet, two sinks with cold water. My father used to tuck me in bed and tell me bedtime stories. He was telling me that me and my cousin Inga would sneak up on the spaceship in the middle of the night, run out of the house, go on a launch pad, climb into a spaceship, and stow ourselves away in some box. And in the morning, the spaceship would launch into the space. And that's how I used to fall asleep.
2: Long after her father stopped tucking her in at night, Lena kept Thinking about
0: space. So I just dreamed about it. I watched every space launch,
2: every sci fi movie about space. She was obsessed. And then at the age of 22, Lena's pretty normal life took a strange turn. On a vacation to the US, back home, communism crumbled.
0: The country started falling apart. I still had a Soviet passport. And I was like Tom Hanks in the terminal. I couldn't go back. So I slept on people's couches. I starved. I got my first job washing dishes at the pharmaceutical company um, for $5 an hour.
2: But Lena did manage to get on her feet. She worked her way up at that pharma company. She met a guy. She got married. She lived a normal, middle-class American life. Space, aeronautics, and the night sky were her hobbies. And then, one night in 2004.
1: The name's Branson, Sir Richard Branson.
2: She and her husband were on the couch watching a reality show, The Rebel Billionaire, hosted by Sir Richard Branson.
0: When Richard actually announced that he's going to be doing the space company, and it says go to VirginGalactic.com. And I um, actually went on the site, um, wrote a letter, and I got a response a couple of weeks later. I got the phone a
2: call, call from a walk VP walk at morning. Virgin Galactic wanting to know just how serious Lena was. They talked for hours, and Lena got invited down to LA to meet with the team. Lena, it turns out, was just the type of person they were recruiting for, for the initial group of customers. They even had a special name for them.
0: The Founders Club, the people who actually will be the first hundred to be very passionate about space, to be kind of spokespeople for the program, because in the beginning, as I say, it was all on paper.
2: These 100 regular people would have a reservation on the first ride in a space plane for a suborbital flight. You won't need years of training or a PhD like real astronauts do. Just about anyone will be able to take this ride. Because here's how a suborbital flight is different than, say, the shuttle going into space. The entire Virgin Galactic's flight will only be about two and a half hours. Passengers will experience zero gravity just for several minutes. They'll get a good look at the curve of the planet. They'll see the black of the universe. And then, essentially, they'll fall back into the atmosphere and glide back down to the Earth. Commercial space travel is a risky and expensive proposition nonetheless. There have been issues that we're going to talk more about later. But just looking back a decade ago... When those first hundred people were being recruited by Virgin Galactic, they had to be hardcore believers. And they also had to have some serious money.
0: Because initially, um, you know, I'm thinking maybe it's going to be like millions of dollars, which is going to be way out of my price range kind of thing.
2: The price tag wasn't millions. It was $200,000. A stretch, but doable. Space travel for middle to upper middle class people willing to make the
0: sacrifice. I mean, 200000 was a lot, more than a lot. That's the price of a house.
2: And when you told your husband that, that you wanted to sign up for this, what did he say?
0: He was actually very supportive. He knew that it's a dream of a lifetime.
2: Especially because their other dream as a couple to have a family, it hadn't worked out.
0: We tried to have children for many years, and that kind of fell flat on its face. So there wasn't going to be any future college funds or weddings or anything like that in the future.
2: So Lena and her husband agreed to take out a second mortgage on their home.
0: This is the first time in my life I've done something selfish. Actually, I've done something for myself.
2: As Lena hopes and waits for her big chance to go up... She is always thinking about it, mentally preparing, wondering how a visit to space will change her body and
1: soul. And she is deeply envious of this woman. Uh, my name is Anusha Ansari, and uh, I'm an electrical engineer. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an astronaut. She's also a super successful
2: businesswoman. Virgin Galactic exists in large part thanks to Anousheh Ansari. Of the eleven tourists who have visited space, Anoushe was the fourth to go and the only woman. But she didn't go on a Virgin Galactic spacecraft. Like Lena, Anoushe grew up in a country that's been through a lot of political turmoil. And like Lena, she was a little girl with space on the brain.
1: I was very young. 5 6 years old uh, and I was in Iran and uh, just when I looked up at the stars and the night skies I felt like the answers to all the questions of the world is up there and felt that if I you know uh, if I go to space and I'm able to be close to the stars that I will find the answers. Can I just ask you when
2: you say find the answers do you mean like like the answer like what's it all mean why are we here sort of thing? Exactly.
1: I always thought growing up that there may be like a lottery or something for people to go to Moon or Mars. That would be maybe a one-way ticket or some kind of opportunity where they would open it up to the public and then I would sign up and I would be able to go. But uh, One-way ticket. One-way ticket. That, it wouldn't matter to me if it was a one-way ticket. But it was something that I felt like my life is not complete if I don't do it. So in her teens, Anoushe also moves to the States.
2: She gets her degree. She pours her energy into starting a telecommunications company with her husband, which they end up selling in 2001 for hundreds of millions of dollars.
1: And after that, we took some time off. And that gave me an opportunity to start really evaluating all the different options. And it's nice to have options, right? Now Anoushe can finally focus. She can figure
2: out, what she can do about her dream of getting to space and putting her money to work. One of those options is funding a space competition, which she calls the Ansari X Prize a $10 million award to anyone who could build a private spaceship without government funding, and the spaceship had to go to the edge of space and back twice in one week. You got all that? The prize was won by Bert Rutan. Rutan's designs ended up being bought by Richard Branson, who then turned them into that business idea, Virgin Galactic, the very company that our former Soviet, Lena has a ticket for. And the Ansari X Prize has a surprising effect. It gets the attention of the Russian space program. They're selling occasional seats alongside their cosmonauts for tens of millions of dollars.
1: Might Anishay be interested? I got an offer to... Uh, go and uh, train as a backup uh, in Russia uh, for a Japanese uh, businessman who was flying to space. And to me, you know, even though it was not a promise to fly, it was the closest I could ever be to, you know, space program training with astronauts, real astronauts. So just that enough was enough for me to to pack my bags and, and head to uh, Star City in Moscow to train. Star City, where the Russian cosmonauts learn the biz.
2: She arrived during one of the coldest winters on record for a year of training. And at the end of the year, it was the Japanese businessman who would go up into space
1: and Anashe would go home. So my husband's like, you're crazy, you know. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'll be where Yuri Gagarin trained. Yuri Gagarin went to space from there. This is the whole history of space. Anousheh was willing to take what she could
2: get. If she couldn't get to space, at least she could get this close to where the space magic was being brewed. She learned everything about the Soyuz aircraft and the space station,
1: how to do repairs, what to do in an emergency. And then uh, a lot of physical training, just uh, building, you know, stamina. How did people treat you while you were in training? I mean, was it weird that you were a woman? A very good question. So initially, there was a lot of resistance. Um, the Russian space program had not trained any woman for a long, long time. So they were not prepared. They didn't have facilities, more women. So they tried very hard at the beginning to uh, find every way to discourage me. And um, after they didn't succeed and they saw my passion and how committed... And how interested I am. They actually became very supportive. And then the year was over. Time to pack her bags and go
2: home. Because she was just the backup.
1: I'm very depressed, you know. (laughs) And uh, on my way to the airport, actually, uh, I receive a call. And uh, they tell me that, uh, you know, the Japanese businessman who was supposed to fly, uh, he has developed a medical condition. A medical condition? The Japanese businessman can't fly. Everyone feels comfortable that you can take the seat. But we need to know quickly because we need to make a lot of arrangements. So we need to know if you want to go. Uh, and I I remember I screamed so loud. And I I just are you kidding me? <laughs> of course, of course, of course I'm going.
2: Was there any, just like a teeny part of you that thought, oh, wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. Hesitation? Just a little? Not at all. Not even a second. Not even a moment. No. Anushay had been preparing herself for this opportunity her entire life.
2: To the point that she and her husband had decided not to have children.
1: We didn't have kids because I didn't know when the opportunity will come. And I didn't want to have to think twice. Even though a lot of astronauts have kids and they go to space. And I don't see an issue with it. But I thought maybe for a moment I would hesitate, and I didn't even want to have that possibility.
2: Back at Star City, and within days, Anoushe has her spacesuit on, and she's doing that iconic walk to board the aircraft. It's payoff time for the months of training, the millions of dollars that she's spent to be there.
1: She's strapped into the capsule for takeoff. I was sitting there, and my I had this flashback of, you know, from my childhood, and it felt so surreal, and I kept thinking, maybe this was just all a dream, and I kept praying that this is God, let it be true, <laughs> let it be true, and uh, once I felt the rocket uh, engines going and the rumbling and the... You know, the vibrations, I knew it was real. Did any
2: part of it bother you? None of it? It was all like you don't suffer from claustrophobia or nausea or anything?
1: None of it mattered to me. At the end of the day, it was just, you know, I had to endure through it to get to where I wanted to get. If I could, you know, um, I'm not an adventure seeking uh, person (laughs) or (laughs) adventure. I don't believe that, but okay. No, I mean, I'm not an adrenaline type person. I don't even go on, you know, roller coasters. Is there a moment where you realize you're out of suborbit and in orbit? About nineteen twenty minutes into the flight, then um, you s- start feeling like uh, you you're lifting off your chair. Even though you're strapped in, I mean, I was giggling like a little kid and uh, someone had dropped a a pencil uh, uh, on the floor and it started, you know, sort of uh, floating in the air. And one of my crewmates um, took off his gloves and let the gloves sort of spin in the air. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm in space. But space has a few downsides, too. As soon as I opened my belts, I started flipping around and going up and down and flying around. And they tell you not to do a lot of movements, um, when you are just getting acclimated to weightlessness. But I was just too excited. So may I ask what happens to vomit in space? <laughs> it floats. Oh, so nice. if you're not ke- careful, your crewmates will not appreciate it. <laughs> How do you even clean it up? <laughs> You have to chase it with the bag. <laughs> oh
2: my God. That is fabulous.
1: <laughs> in a
2: minute, we get Anushay and Lena together. So Lena can ask the questions that only a lady who has been to space can answer.
0: How do you go to the
2: bathroom in space? And on a more serious note, what's happened to Lena's dream since Virgin Galactic's recent test flight went horribly, horribly wrong? A couple weeks back on Note to Self, we explored how technology is changing and maybe improving something you wouldn't think could be improved, divorce. The company that we visited, WeVorce, uses big data, applied psychology, and a very intimate algorithm to make breaking up less painful. The topic touched a few nerves, understandably. Listener Douglas Ricketson from California recently went through a divorce. He wrote us to say he thinks another kind of tech is needed. Quote, as much as you may hate your spouse, the real callous, oppressive entities are the family courts and corresponding state agencies. But Peter Hagen of Minnesota thought WeVorce is on the right track and should take the algorithm idea a step even further.
0: Why in the world don't we have a WeVorce model for marriage counseling to prevent divorce before it happens by addressing these issues without a divorce context in mind.
2: Hi, doggy. And Lawrence Lanoff thinks the way we do marriage, divorce, and relationships, it's way outdated. He says it's time to stop taking our cues from people 3,000 years ago.
0: We upgrade everything. We upgrade watches and operating systems and phones and, but morally and sort of idealistically and stylistically, we're using the same map we have that's 3,000, 3,000, 5,000 years old.
2: Recently divorced listener Sarah Thomas in Montgomery, Alabama, said the episode made her tear up because she thinks it is possible to put aside anger and move on peacefully. At the end of the day,
1: it's just an end and a new beginning.
2: Oh, totally, Sarah. That is exactly what we were thinking, too. We love hearing from you listeners. If you have reactions to this episode or anything you've heard on this show— send us a voice memo. Record yourself using the voice memo app on your smartphone and then email it to us at self at wnyc.org. It's easy. There are actually instructions on our website. You can check those out. It's notetoselfradio.org. We're back. This is Note to Self. I'm Anoush Samarodi. And I like referring to this episode as our space ladies show. There is serious girl power about to be rocketing into your ears. So hang on. All right. So shall we get Lena on the line? Before we tape Can this episode, tech entrepreneur turned astronaut Anousheh Ansari and Virgin Galactic ticket holder Lena Barisdina had never met.
1: Hi, Anousheh. How are you? Great, Lina. It's very nice to meet you.
0: Likewise. Thank you so much. But
2: Lena had a lot of questions for Anushay, And so we put them on the phone together. Anushay was with me in New York in the studio and Lena was sitting in her living room in San Diego.
0: Uh, I'm fascinated that you know you grew up in a country where at those times probably women were not encouraged very much to do something like this. How much did you have to struggle against that? of proving that the woman can do as much as a guy can?
1: Well, it has been part of my life nonstop, I guess. Uh, Obviously, you know, in Iran, um, you know, a lot of cultural difficulties in trying to convince people that girls can do math and science as well, maybe sometimes better than some men. And uh, I kept quiet during this part of the conversation.
2: You could really feel the connection between Anushay and Lena. Absolutely, and I mean two women totally on the same wavelength. They talked about training, about space experiments, business models for space travel. Like, listen, here's the thing: two ladies who both want to go to space, they don't get together very often. This was their moment to be together, and they relished it.
0: I still hope that we start colonizing Mars in my lifetime and I get the chance to go.
2: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we'll, we'll go together. Lena <laughs> so, thanked Anushe for funding the X prize. That competition that expanded, just may give her regular Russian gal dropping, a chance to see no, Earth you're from you're above. Into, and then Lena also asked so something
0: else. I'd been wondering about. <laughs> so I don't know if it's too personal of a question, but... No,
1: there's nothing personal. How do, you,
0: <laughs> how do you go to the bathroom in space?
1: Well, it's tricky. It's a little tricky. You know, everything floats in space, so you have to be mm-hmm. careful. <laughs> but there is a toilet. Uh, it works in the same concept as, uh, you know... I guess toilets on on the airplanes and things like that, but you don't have water because again, water doesn't uh, flow; it floats. So you have the suction, and it works on the concept of suction. So there is a funnel where you would do number one, and there is a uh, you know toilet and that's uh, for number two, and there is a bag that you have to store your uh, you know your your. Uh, you know, the... Goodies. Goodies. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to find a word that I can use on public radio.
2: (laughs) Don't worry, Lena. we were just talking about barf,
1: too, so... Okay.
0: Also (laughs) close. It's fascinating to me, and I've met a few astronauts, talked to them about it, and... Every single one says that when you see the world from up there, it changes your complete perspective. It's so different. But I ask every single one of them, and every person says, like, I cannot explain it. I just can't explain it, like what the feeling is when you actually look at the world from up there. I just want to know how it made you feel to see it from up there when you actually got there and looked out of the illuminator?
1: Looking at Earth was probably one of the most memorable uh, parts of my whole experience. And uh, it happened when I was still in the Soyuz, um, and it was right after we reached orbit, and they checked everything, and everything was fine. And they said, okay, now you can open your seatbelts. So... As I opened it, I was next to one of the windows, one of the portholes, and I, you know, sort of floated up to the window and I looked out and I think I saw the most beautiful thing ever. And I had seen, you know, pictures of Earth from space and I had all my screensavers and my office filled with them. But just seeing it with your own eyes, it was like, you know, I was watching this thing that was... Live and 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 uh, it has uh, warmth and energy and and uh, life emanating from it. It was you know you looked at it and you knew it wasn't dead. It wasn't just you know sometimes when I see pictures of the moon, you can tell it's you know it's a dead you know object. But when you, I looked at the Earth from you know my uh, spaceship it was alive I could feel that it's alive and it was uh, such a beautiful moment I just you know started crying I don't know why I was crying but I was crying I was very emotional and my tears started floating in front of me <laughs> and making a bubble over my eyes not allowing me to see clearly but it was it was one of the most emotional part of my trip that I always remember even you know describing it now I can see it in my head
2: Before we go, Lena, is it okay if I ask a question on your behalf?
0: Absolutely.
2: Anusha, do you think she'll go? Like, what's what's going to happen next with the Virgin Galactic flight?
1: I was actually with the CEO and Richard Branson last week. Uh, they're a little behind on uh, some of their test flights. But um, they were hoping to fly this year, end of this year. I think uh, it may be pushed to early part of next year, but uh, I definitely know she's going to fly. Just days after that conversation between these two women
2: and all of us sitting there feeling so positive and good about an imminent flight for Lena, Virgin Galactic Spaceship Two was doing a routine test flight when something went horribly wrong. It's not the first setback for the company, but it was a fatal one. The aircraft dropped, falling back to Earth over the Mojave Desert, breaking into pieces. One pilot made it out alive. The other died. We checked in with Anoushe to find out where Virgin Galactic and Lena go from here.
1: I wish I could tell you that uh, we've had our first commercial flight on Virgin and that I saw Lina's flight happen. But uh, with the accident, uh, of course, the prudent thing is to take a step back and uh, make sure that the flights are as safe as possible. Uh, Going to space will always be a risky endeavor. And I think and believe everyone who's involved we're willing to take those dangers. We feel it's worth it. And I'm very hopeful to see the first commercial flights happen not too far in the future, perhaps in the next 12 months. And finally be able to watch Lena's face when she actually comes back from her first flight to space and ask her, So, how was it? And Lena?
2: Well, she is made of sterner stuff than I would be. She wrote us back saying, quote, Right now, I am still holding my ticket and waiting to go up. Smiley face. And when and if she does, we will definitely have Lena back on Note to Self and also ask her, how was it? By the way, lots of other companies are trying to build Space hotels, space elevators, space balloons. Science fiction ideas are being tested as business models. You can check out some of the projects on Kickstarter. We've also got links on our website. And how about you? Would you go? Did this story of space and immigrants and dreamers and girl power, did it make you think, space? Yeah, I am down. Or hell no... Send us a voice memo or an email to note-self at wnyc.org. Tag us and tag Lena and Anoushe on Facebook. Have to say, I think I'm still on the hell no side. I get really bad motion sickness. Next week, another installment of our segment, Question of Note. A lot of you asked about writing in the digital age, composing stories. We went and found someone who has some some very interesting answers. Subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss us. And while you're there, please take a sec and rate us. I know it's annoying, but actually it does make a huge difference, and it helps other podcastophiles find us, okay? The Note to Self team is Alex Goldmark, Ariana Tobin, Andrew Dunn, and me. I'm Anusha Marodi, and this is Note to Self. Let's talk again next week. Getting a rental car and driving to Connecticut is, like, we might as well be going to the moon. Like, everyone straps in and, like, gets ready for the barfing to start. The little one will, like, threaten for, like, a long time. And everybody's on the edge. And I have the towel. And then sometimes she can hold on, but sometimes she can't. And then, like, the big one.